Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Super excited today. We have some special friends of mine that have been crushing it in the game of syndication, real estate investing for a while now and uh, have been giving back, helping out other people get started, as well as you know, just crushing it in the game nationwide. So I thought it would be something that is, you know, a lot of people are interested in multifamily investing and syndications and figuring out how to do that if it's the right market. There's so many different things that really go into putting a full syndication together properly. So I definitely wanted to bring you guys some experts that are crushing it in the game. So without further ado, What's up, Bill? What's up, Kim? How are you guys? Hey, Brandon. Good to be Hello, here. Hello, Brandon. Yeah. Happy what's... 2019. I know. Yeah. You guys excited for this new year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. All right. Yeah. Cool. So for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you guys are, you guys mind just breaking down a little bit of like who the heck you guys are and what you guys are up to, uh, maybe one at a time. Ladies <laughs> <laughs> first. Yeah. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> huh? I'm giving the floor to you. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You guys are gonna pass the baton back and forth. Ladies first, right? We're playing ping pong already. I really don't know what to say except for um, happy 2019. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually been in the real estate industry for 14 years. Um, I start out as a residential. Uh, sales agent, but I actually got really started in real estate investing uh, in the last six years uh, from single family. I've done flips and then a lot of it just in the last couple of years, more on a multi, uh, bigger multi-family stuff. Okay. And you started off first as an agent. You live here in San Diego, uh, California. Yeah. And, I live uh, in San Diego, but I actually really started my sales agent in Sacramento and that's why I met Bill. Okay. So, and you yeah. guys met at a conference, correct? I met Bill at his seminar. Okay. <laughs> I went to his seminar because he was doing the same thing that he's doing now. And yeah. I went in there and I just kind of listened. And at the end, I kind of know that, that probably that's the direction I want to go, but I just moved to SAC. I wasn't ready to do anything. So I just went home, forgot all about it. Four years later, I bumped into him again. <laughs> So that's when we kind of start working together. Okay. So that's 2010. <clears throat> okay. So four years pass and, and you didn't take action on any of that. What, what were some of the things that made you not take action at the time? And then yeah, actually, make you realize actually, that you wanted to eventually? No, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I just moved to stack. I need okay. to create my now money. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I was focused because I was building a business. I was doing uh, in real estate constr- construction. Um, and then I'm also doing my real estate sales, but everything just got started for me. So yeah. I wasn't really, my mindset wasn't really ready for investing. So I just kind of set it aside and I knew that I'll come back to it. But at that moment, it wasn't the right moment. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And just to clarify for anybody, like you guys are both partners and you guys uh, live in 
you know, business partners in two different areas. And, um, I mean, you're, you're obviously juggling a bunch of different things at the time, plus a family, which is, yeah. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually in San Diego now. Bill's in, in Sacramento. Okay, cool. So yeah. Bill, tell me about your experience. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, where can I start? So I've been at this game for a while now. So 20 plus years. Okay. And I got started, I think like a lot of us do in, in the whole quick turn realm, right? Cause, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in education. So that's how I got my start in real estate as well. <clears throat> can you hear me? Okay. Or do I need to put the microphone up? Like no, that? you're good. You're uh, good. Okay. So that's basically how I got my start. The whole quick turn thing, right? Um, fix and flips, a little bit of wholesaling, just in and out quick turn projects, right? And did that for the first part of my career, I don't know, five to 10 years until the light bulb went on and I realized that uh, you can make good chunks of money doing that, the quick turn real estate, but if you eventually <coughs> want to into I guess building wealth, true wealth in real estate, it really comes from ownership. Okay. Of course. That was light bulb number one. So because single families was what I knew, that's what I started stockpiling. <laughs> okay. Um, and so really started building up that portfolio, built it up to a little over 150 single family homes at one point until another light bulb went on, <laughs> which was man, is this the type of, uh, and I know a lot of people, by the way, who do play this game and play it very well, but I think you have to have the right demeanor, the right type of approach. And obviously maybe that wasn't just the right move for me, but I know a lot of people who do very well with single family rental portfolio. So no slight against it. Yeah. Awesome way. But for me, right. And maybe I was, I, I, maybe I wasn't <clears throat> buying the right type of property and, um, anyway, the light bulb went on and it just, it, it, uh, it basically took, even though the, the properties were concentrated in one primary area, it basically took a mini army and it just to run that whole operation. Right. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, 150 single family houses at one point. Yeah. Is that all in one area? Uh, or is that one, area, one yeah. primary area was the bulk of it. And then another area was a good, another good chunk. Okay. Right. So it took a little bit. Of, so it basically took a mini army to run that. Um, it was a little. Um, so anyway, that was the second light bulb that went on. It made me realize is that the type of rental business I want to be running? Yeah. <clears throat> started looking at all the different asset classes, and that's when we really started diving into multifamily. Um, right. Just just because of that whole, you know, I, I would say one of the primary reasons economies of scale. Okay. Just the a whole idea that you know, managing 150 doors in one or two or three addresses versus 150 separate addresses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's outrageous. Yeah. What do you think is, what do you think is easier? Right. Yep. So uh, that's when we started making the shift, um, started disposing a lot of our single family inventory, moving it into multifamily. And like I said, we're, we're, we're not anti single family. We still have a good portfolio. We still have multiple projects in the single family arena. It's just For that sure. right yeah, right now for long-term holds and long-term cash flow, um, I think it's smart for any investors to start thinking that way, right? And of you course. start going a little bit bigger, uh, but you know, we're still involved in a ton of single family projects. Today, 
Um, 75 to 80% of our focus is in the multifamily arena. You mentioned syndication. That's how we're leveraging and growing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're in multiple markets and, uh, you know, we're just looking to take whatever we built up to this point and grow it and take, go from success to success. So, but we can dive into a lot more of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, obviously you're a very, you're very experienced and successful with single family residential investing. But when it comes down to the transitioning over into, you know, big multifamily investing, what did it take, I guess, to get to that level? Did you have to reach out to some friends, relationships that you're building along the way to, to really get that education or just a ton of books like networking? How did this work to be able to, you know, jump into that atmosphere? How do you, yeah, how do you make that shift? You want to yeah. take a crack at it, Kim, or uh, got any thoughts? Um, I think we, like everybody else, searching, hunting, and then we went to, you know, uh, you know seminars on multifamily, yep. and uh, that's how we get started, um, and then, uh, then from there, you're just starting to connect with people in the multifamily arena, and that's when you start full, going full at it. And for me, I would say... <clears throat> to make that shift, it started way before, you know, I mean, I think um, what's tremendous today in this interconnected world where um, every single question that you have about anything really, <laughs> real estate included, is right at your fingertips. Of course. Right? Uh, man, with, uh, with, with everything online, all the answers are online, Google and YouTube, you can probably find every answer to every question that you have. So I think everything starts with education. Yep. You know, I've also had people that I've worked with, colleagues and mentors, okay, pretty much every step of the way in every critical, um, you know, component of growing a business. I probably had colleagues and mentors that helped that process. Um, but really, it all, for me, it all starts with education, man. Uh, oh, of education kind of like vanishes any type of fear and hesitancy eventually. Yep. You know, and then just remember to, um, you know, Kim mentioned seminars, right? Um, I learned a long time ago is yes, seminars are valuable. Workshops are valuable. But I remember in the beginning years, um, you know, you, you walk out with like a notebook full of stuff, right? Like, yeah. Stuff to implement and it gets overwhelming and it's like you end up. And so, so I don't think that's the answer to get overwhelmed, but yep. so, time I, I we go to a conference or a seminar it's really i'm just looking for one or two ideas one or two ideas that you can really focus on and implement and that to me will make it all worthwhile so yeah yeah that's some really good tips you know because I, a lot of people go to these uh weekend seminars thinking you know it's going to be that magic pill to their success and at the end of the day it does get very overwhelming and then if you're not implementing some of the things that you learned or rewriting your notes on a regular basis the days after then it's you know in one ear out the other and um and you're just gonna lose sight of you know what happened yeah yeah so i think i think um a seminar is a way for you to start connecting to people who's doing things yeah yeah Yeah. so that's one of the ways yeah i love i love how um you know you mentioned though like looking for one or two different gold nuggets to really take and implement uh, to really start making a difference. I think that's very, very crucial. And then always, you know, having guidance along the way, mentorship or coach to be able to get you to your success level. 
So in your opinions, both of you guys, I'm curious, you know, is there anything truly different about jumping in from, you know, residential uh, multifamily or residential single family houses in comparison to big, you know, like a hundred unit complex? Obviously, there's a couple things, but uh, I mean, is there is there really anything that besides the big number and, and the multiple, you know, if you got to remodel one unit, you're just going to have to do the same for all the others. Like a lot of people get overwhelmed, I feel like out there getting started and think, you know, one day I'll, I'll jump into that. But <clears throat> why, why can't they jump into it right away? You got any thoughts, Kim? I guess um, I think it's easier. You know, we always think I think I gave you an example. Remember, I gave you an example a long time ago, um, Brandon? Yeah. That you said you want to do small multi stuff. Yeah. Remember? And my experience, because I own, I own four plaques before, and I said, no, nah, I wouldn't want to do four plaques. I would want to yeah. do something bigger. Yeah. So the, the, difference, uh, the difference would be in the mindset. Because we always think oh, something little, that's something we can get a hand on, that we yeah. can grasp is easier. Yeah, it's but when you think something so big, it's like it's like, oh, where do I begin? Right? Yeah. I don't know where to begin. So it's a, really the shift in mindset. And when you go from single family to multi, it's a big. Uh, the biggest thing is you have to think more of a teamwork. You gotta leverage and you gotta work with others. Yeah. And that's how you expand. On a single family, you can do that too, but it's easier. It's smaller. <laughs> you can just pick one off at a time. But on a bigger stuff. Uh, it's a little bit more challenging. So it requires you to have a, a, a different mindset, uh, a mindset, a team mindset concept, um, something a bigger vision. I don't know. That's, that's how I kind of phrase it. No, that was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> that's a great. I would say this. I, that's, yeah, that's the exact thing I was thinking of it as well. It's really, I think it's, it's true with just any jump that you make in life, right? If you're trying to go to the next level, it really starts with, <clears throat> Expanding your mind, expanding what you know your realm of possibilities, right? Um, and and I think so. And what, so once you get over that barrier, um, you know you're you're able to eventually make that leap. So Kim was talking about that. You know, I mean, just the same things that it took to be successful in the single family realm is pretty much the same thing. You know, entrepreneurs are successful because <laughs> to me it seems like we're resourceful. Right, we, just, we figure out a way. You ask not why can't I do it, you ask how can I do it. That's right. You know, and you're just looking for ways because all it is is like, here's what's amazing, man. It takes just as much work to do a single family home that it does to do a hundred unit building. You yep. go through the same process, the same steps. It just requires <clears throat> a little bit, it just, it just requires getting- Just multiplying it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, and if you always think, and if you always um, be resourceful, right? Um, you, you know, you're asking, how can I do things, right? So if you don't have a down payment, the, the, the necessary down payment, how can I get the down payment? Send That's right. An answer. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the balance sheet, the financial statement to be able to get that loan, guess what? Someone does. Yep. So you look for ways to bridge the gap. You're getting resourceful. Asking yourself a different question, not why can't I do it? You're wondering, how can I do it? And if you just take that same approach, whatever endeavor you're going after, um, it becomes the same process as a single family home. That's so good. You know? yeah. I love it. So explain exactly what a syndication is just for any of the listeners out there that might not know, you know what that means. Hmm. Do you know, Kim? 
I, I, I guess I know. We're just it doing is, it, right? <laughs> our syndication is uh, group investing. Okay. Basically, group investing, you gather a, you know, a group of people who would like to invest in something, and you pull their funds together, and you go and buy you know, whatever this is. And so it's, it's uh, essentially it's just a fancy word for group investing. Group investing. Yeah. Yeah, two, those two words, man. Group investing. Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds so. It sounds like the word. It sounds so far fetched. Like what is yeah. that? It sounds like, but it's like a, nothing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. We'll give you. Let's see. Let's try to give you a little bit more to it, though. But um, so we've sort of gravitated towards this as being the ultimate business model for us, right? Because. Okay. Um, everything that we do, you know, we were talking about earlier, I was talking about resourcefulness and, um, and how this multifamily arena is really like, it's, it, you got to treat, treat it like a team sport. Mm. Okay? So, so the way we see it, um, actually, let me bring reel it back to syndication. So Kim was talking about it being like, um, so the way we're constructed, okay? So the way we see it is, at once upon a time when we built up our single family portfolio, we were doing everything A to Z. Yeah. Okay. Which was a little bit overwhelming, right? So the way we see it now, so after all these years and kind of determining what we're good at, we've really um, torqued things down and we focus on one of the four main components that we see that are necessary, mm. right? So the major components that we see in the multifamily game and in the game of syndication is number one, acquisitions, number two, project management, construction management, number three, investor relations and uh, raising capital and then property management. We, at once upon a time, we did all four and it was over. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are people who do it though. Yeah. Superstars at it. But if you take a deep dive into their business, what you'll see is that they still have key people that, that they rely on that no there's no, there's really no such thing as self-made also it's very hard to scale any type of business when you're doing everything yourself absolutely man <laughs> yeah and, and that's another thing that we do so everything we do is we do we do we we partner with people we believe in strategic partnerships mm -hmm. alliances we believe in focusing on your strengths our strength ha strengths happen to be um investor relations, raising capital. That's why we have strong operating partners who are focused on acquisitions and construction management. And mm -hmm. we'll usually bring in someone who's stellar at property management and we focus on staying in our lane. Yeah. So this is a, this is a growth strategy for us. And then, so syndication is an extension of that because what do I want to call it? It's like the ultimate share the wealth type strategy. Okay. okay. So, um, and another great thing about it is it really, it's, it's leverage too, man. It allows you to leverage. So think about it. So, so share the wealth, meaning, okay, you get to get it, you get to bring in investors who in our metrics, by the way, we're trying to deliver anywhere from 15 to 25% um, average annual ROI to our mm. investors. So we think that's a win for our yeah. investors, right? They, they get that type of return passively. Okay. We get to, it, we think because um, we're, we're pooling money together and bringing in groups of investors, it in essence makes us unlimited. Mm -hmm. Okay. It allows us to grow, expand <clears throat> and leverage. Um, 
and just all the way around, man, it's the ultimate share the wealth um, strategy. So if you're, if you're growth oriented and you're looking for leverage, we haven't found too many models that probably that, that are as good as a syndication model. So, but there's other ways to do it as well. I love it. So I think going back, I know you spoke a little bit about, uh, you know, 150 units at one time or not units, but uh, single family houses. Yep. What other deals have you guys done since then um, when you transitioned over into the multifamily scene? Um, okay. Well, I, th I think we, we decided that there are a couple of things that we want to focus on. First is the type of uh, an asset that we're focusing on. So yep. these are the four type of asset we focused on. First is we focus on two single family, okay? But not particularly rental, but actually purchasing it, sell it to a tenant buyer and then convert it to a note. Okay. Next, we do private lending, okay? Yep. Uh, we also um, buy and own or sell um, notes. Yeah. And then the fourth class, Asset classes, the syndication, which is into the multifamily stuff. So those are so we transitioned by from just this purely single family into those four categories of, of I don't know, cash flow, income, properties, or whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Four different avenues within real estate. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Within the syndication realm, like how many how many units are you guys shooting for currently? Or what? What have? What kind of deals have you guys been picking up? You want to give a? You, you want us to give an example, maybe, of the type yeah. of things we're after? Um, so I think probably the best prototype that that we can talk about would be. So we're in multiple markets, okay? We're in pockets of uh, St. Louis, Kansas City. Mm. Uh, we like pockets <clears throat> of Michigan. We're now back in California, which we're excited about because we think we've identified a, a tremendous emerging market. But um, and maybe we can give you two types. So like one type um, for, for a long-term buy and hold was, uh, uh, so, you know, I, probably no one's heard of St. Charles, <laughs> but it's, a, it's on the outskirts of the greater St. Louis area. And it's a bit of an emerging market, um, you know, um, household income, one of the top five in the regions. And it was a little bit, I mean, so even though it's a, a you know, a little bit of an unheard of town, it was in essence a sort of emerging market that was expanding with job growth, population yeah. growth. There hasn't been a, a dip in population. That's one of the things we look for, by the way, emerging markets where growth is expanding into. And it's a little bit sleepy that a lot of people don't realize it's emerging. Yeah. Right? So the, these are certain things that I look for as well when, you know, doing a residential multifamily. I'm looking for, for the location. I'm looking for job growth, population growth, and then something in particular that will really stand out as far as um, some kind of opportunity coming, coming soon or that's already established there. Like mine, for instance, is a famous Catholic university. So it ends before I started investing there, um, just a semester before they announced that there wasn't enough housing available for the juniors and seniors. So they had to find their own uh, property, you know, rentals uh, off campus, which all my properties are about a half mile away. When it comes down to you guys looking for emerging markets, you guys are doing something very similar. Absolutely, man. I think, I think our search starts with that, right? Yeah. The location has to make sense. Um, so the two primary drivers are, you, I mean, I think you're doing it, right? Job growth, population growth. And then this, the whole category, I think, of emerging markets is a, 
kind of like it's 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 this whole separate category mm. um it's like it's basically like uh if you catch a market in the right time of the cycle and then it happens to be an emerging market where you know some of the character ter- characteristics might be uh, definitely job growth definitely population is on the upswing but also another characteristic um strong local leadership if you've got a strong whatever county government city council a mayor that's sort of like a cheerleader yeah pro business pro growth okay and it's been a sleepy little area for the longest time and it's still under people's radars and people don't even realize it's emerging but you've got you've got a cheerleader um uh, local government you might want to start taking a look at that okay um that's the one characteristics <laughs> another characteristic might be um tax incentives like property tax rebates tax credits um those types of things you start seeing also public private partnerships to where maybe the local government is leveling land yeah. they're mm-hmm. making stuff shovel ready they're investing millions of dollars into their infrastructure to make it ready to provide a canvas for companies to move in yeah you know sometimes yeah man sometimes you see donation of land mm. i mean when you start and then so when you start seeing those kinds of things another thing um diversifying job base okay was it was the area primarily <clears throat> focused on this one industry and is it now expanding and if you especially if you start seeing tech oriented jobs okay and jobs of the future okay that you really should start paying attention oh yeah so, yeah so if you catch that combination of a market in the right time of the cycle and then it happens to be emerging yeah that's the millionaire maker face i love it that that's really great stuff so yeah. Now, do you guys get like religious when it comes down to all those criterias? Like if one of them is really lacking and the other one is, is kind of showing good signs of beneficial, do you kind of over, I mean, pros and cons, you know, write it down and, and see what makes sense. But what do you guys do? Um, I would say re- not religious. Yeah. Maybe we don't get religious. <laughs> we get spiritual, maybe. Yeah, that's good. Bring <laughs> <laughs> out the incense. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love you guys. I'm so much damn with you. Um, the two main things um, are what you pe- what you pegged on already, and I would say mm. job growth, population growth, and some of those other things. Do they have to be absolutely in place? I would say no, not not necessarily. It's a bonus. Those are yeah, tremendous bonuses. But yeah, as much no. of them as possible. <clears throat> Yeah. So at, for example, like my population growth is not yeah. that strong. It's actually, okay. it's very weak, but there is job growth and there are, um, a, a couple different like future type of things that like I mentioned the school. And then there's also, um, a new like factory downtown that's, uh, that's already employed 700, um, new jobs, but is anticipated to fill 5,000. So things like that uh, are things that you would obviously focus on. But um, as far as population growth, like what, what would you guys look for in, I guess, let's say like a 50 unit complex. Um, Cause I guess the more, the bigger the unit complex, that means, you know, you should be focusing on bigger population. Am I correct? Just because you, you got to yeah. do the math there. Man, typically that, and that 50,000 mark um, is usually an up. Okay. Number one. So that's probably a, like, 
one of our criteria is that you don't want something that's too small in population. So 50,000 and up, maybe even higher, 100,000 and up is more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but, um, but what was the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got to get you some coffee over there too. <laughs> no, no, no. So basically just, I mean, population growth in general. Oh, um, you know, what, what kind of numbers are you guys looking for? And as far as you said, you would do 50,000 or above. Um, and yeah, for our long-term buying holes, that's a comfortable, um, minimum for us. Okay. I think it depends on where it's located yeah. to. Yeah. If it's, it's from a, a booming location. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I would, I would also say too, like, so you mentioned that you might have certain pockets where population is on the decline, but the way you can take this whole emerging market philosophy is that uh, what's interesting is that emerging mm -hmm. markets just don't happen on a, on a regional scale or macro scale. Mm -hmm. you can actually take it to an area you know, so uh, I was talking about St. Charles earlier, okay? So St. Yeah. Louis, a little bit overheated. But guess what? If you just look 30 to 45 minutes outside of the area, there was a lot of people moving into that little region. So guess what? It turned it into a, an emerging market, 45 minutes away. Within your own city, even if it's a dying population, guess what? There's always gentrification going on. That is a form of emerging market. So yeah, you might have a dying city, but guess what? There might be something like a gas lamp district in San Diego that is emerging and booming, right? Yeah. There's always pockets that you can look at within your city that are emerging and that's the way to counterbalance it. I love it. If you're committed to that city. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's great. So is there any other like final thoughts um, on like how to identify emerging market? I feel like that was all just great value right there for somebody, you know, looking for location. Yeah, man. Um, just those primary things, I think, I think strong local leadership, uh, if you start seeing a lot of tax incentives, tax rebates, tax credits, that type of thing, um, if you start seeing land donations, if you start seeing a job base that's diversifying, okay, and a quick way to, to do this is, in, typically, when you have an emerging market, you typically have a very aggressive whatever they call it, EDD, Employment Development Department, or mm -hmm. Employment Development Corporation, um, that is like almost like a cheerleader that's, that's spearheading um, growth for the whole region. If you have a very aggressive and um, loud <laughs> um, entity like that, um, you should really start paying attention. And here's another key, okay? If it's true emerging market, when you tell people about it, they'll look at you like you think, like, like they think you're crazy. <laughs> like what? Oh, like the locals in the area? No, no, just like, a general like, population. In general, if you're out and yeah. about in the public and you tell someone like, "Hey, I'm investing in this area," and they look at you like you're crazy, because they have no idea where. Like, Brandon, <laughs> are you okay? Why are you investing there? <laughs> That's what I mean by sleepy, under the radar. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. It hasn't emerged yet. Yeah. So that's when you know you're on the right track. Okay. Well, that makes me feel so much better because nobody <laughs> knows my area. <laughs> that go. is awesome. Okay, good. Well, I'm on to something good then. I, I can feel it already. You just, you just educated me and released the fear. I appreciate that. Okay, so I want to talk about compelling reasons why multifamily investing is like a smart move right now. 
because with the with the market and all the fear behind that um out there at least you know what what would give you reasons why you guys are actively still looking for multifamily hmm. and why other people should be as well yeah other people yeah i think we all should be what, what um kim you want to take a crack at your compelling reason benefit uh, number one <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's diversification. Um, the one reason why a lot of people like to get into multifamily is a diversification. Uh, you uh, share, you kind of spread the risk. And for me, I would say, so let me, I, you know, I, I like to look at um, trends, I guess, right? Uh, and one of the reasons why we really, why 75 to 80% of our focus now is in this multifamily space is also from a macro scale. Okay, um, mm -hmm. we're becoming, and what I mean by that is we're becoming a bit of a renter nation. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so if you just look at statistics, man, um, so in 2005, I think it was, um, home ownership rate, 69%. Yep. It, dri it dropped um, tremendously to whatever it is now, 63%. Okay. And it's projected to continue dropping. We'll still always have a majority who want to own their home. That's good. Okay. That's mm. why we still like single family homes, but it's dropped significantly. So 63 is expected to go to 60% by 2025. Mm. One percentage point drop represents a million households. So yeah. that's, the, so what's driving this whole thing? Number one, millennials. Yeah. <laughs> millennials yeah. either I mean, airbnb right now like everybody rather uh if they're going to be traveling or people want to travel more as well yes and, and millennials don't want to settle down but you can also have that that luxury i guess of you know staying in airbnbs and kind of living the life like that yeah I'll, I, I, it's amazing it's stunning for me to see but a lot a lot of a lot of millennials choose to have this flexible lifestyle Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, a big driver, number one. They choose to rent just because it gives them flexibility and they can go anywhere. They can move to any job in any city, in any region. Um, but it's also being driven by necessity. Okay. You're talking about, right, just the fact that um, a lot of millennials maybe are not in a position to start owning their own. Mm -hmm. Unless they get creative, right? Unless they yeah. learn stuff from, 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 from someone like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> creative right yeah um but so it's so financial and then also by choice also here's another uh, so that was not so um i would say surprising but what was surprising baby boomers mm. so the largest age demographic is millennials 80 million strong they're driving this whole push towards us becoming a renter nation but so are baby boomers okay by choice yeah most of the growth is happening from boomers who have the ability to buy their own home, but for whatever reason, they're choosing to rent. And what's, a, what's also interesting is they're doing it for the same reasons. Yeah. Flexibility. They want freedom. They want yep. to be able to go and walk around. And then when, once the kids have moved out and you've got this big McMansion, it kind of gets lonely there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So. Um, I, think, I, I think that they like community. Yeah. A lot of them do it for community yeah. reasons. That's a big buzzword, by the way, that, um, so community is so big. It's like, it's one of our primary focuses in the communities that we're acquiring and developing. Mm, like so, making a kind of like a family vibe in the area that you guys are purchasing. Yeah. So for example, like in St. Louis and in Kansas city, we now have a property management company who their whole focus on tenant retention is creating communities. Yeah. So they have stuff like 
That's so uh, smart. What do they have, Kim? I mean, like um, after-school programs for kids. Yeah, after-school program. They have like um, uh, senior calisthenics. Yeah, dance class for the older. <laughs> they have uh, stuff like um, uh, they do like uh, health fitness. Yeah. You know, encourage yeah. all those stuff. Yeah. And they have it. like health fair where they bring in doctors, professionals to, you know, check, you know, check on people's health. Yeah. And what is this exactly? Is this a property management company? That yeah. spearheads this whole thing. So they have, they have, we don't call our, we don't call our property managers, property managers. Yeah. We call them community directors. That's smart. I love so that. They reach out to the community. They create programs and guess who runs the programs? The tenants. So <laughs> times will run the program. They're in there. They're teaching senior calisthenics. You know, they're. they're oh, I love teachers. it. Yeah, man. So it gives people like a, a purpose and, and something to. Um, Absolutely. I was gonna say live for, but not to live for. That sounds, <laughs> sounds a little deep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. That people enjoy it. That's awesome. And and it feels. Um, I don't know. It just creates that community and gives them a of sense of connection to where they live. Yeah. Right? It's something to look forward to. They might have like a bingo night. They have um, daycare programs where kids are in after school programs where kids are in there. They're, they're, they're socializing with one another. They're learning, they're doing their homework and it looks like a full blown daycare. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, this, I, this is what people want. Yeah. So, so, what do you what do you think? I love the community. I mean, I, I yeah. think that is that's something really truly important. Uh, creating community in anything that you're doing. Yeah. I've seen this happen a, a lot in mastermind groups that I've been a part of in the past, or just seeing people. It, it's all about building community, and that's what really keeps people together and makes people want to be a part of things. So that's it's very very crucial. It's a great great uh great popular word right now. Community. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, as far as the market goes, what do you guys feel about the market? And, uh, like, are you, for somebody first getting started, maybe in their first syndication this year and trying to get into multifamily, um, you know, would, would you be worried for them or want them to kind of, I don't know, be, you know, tread carefully in certain areas? You want to take a crack, Jim? <laughs> I think, I, okay, so you, so your question is, if someone want to get started, what are, what is the do's and don'ts? Is that what you're saying? I think it's, you know, like a lot of, I think a lot of what's on a lot of people's minds these days is, should I be investing now? Um, is the market frosty? Should I be careful about specific areas? Is that kind of where you're? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the market, exactly what you're saying, Kim, except just in regards to the market, you know, is that something that somebody should be scared about Are you scared? Mm, i think no i'm not scared <laughs> i think there's always opportunity in real estate um right. uh you know if you go to our our meetup we're talking about you know if one cycle if one area the market is top heavy and the other area is not so it really depends on your strategy and what you're looking to create 100 like you know a cash flow then it may be a different market than if you want to create like large lump sum equity you yeah. know so it really depends i'm not concerned at all i am yeah. because i'm i i move around i move money i mean i'm doing a lot of movement i'm dancing around all the time so yeah. uh, to me it, it doesn't scare me yeah we're yeah. followers yeah. we're followers of the cycle um 
And so like, but, but it, it should be a concern, okay? Like if you're in a really frosty market right now that seems susceptible, okay? Um, it's not a bad idea unless, unless your strategy is to buy. To buy and hold forever. But if your strategy is to buy and hold forever, forget the property cycle. Yeah. The news. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look what happened. Look what happened in 2008, right? Bottom falls out, but here we are eight to 10 years later and the markets come back. Yep. So if your strategy is to buy and hold forever and you want to create multi-generational multi wealth, screw the cycle, screw the news, just hang on to your real estate and just make sure you buy right so that you can cash flow even, uh, even during the most severe downturns. That's right. Okay. So, but we're always in the market, Brandon. Okay. Yeah. Um, we never just take our chips off the table and stay on the sidelines. We do believe in a money movement strategy. Um, we don't like right now, we don't like um, what I call them cyclical markets that kind of go like this, you know, up and down, up and down. Yeah. We like, so right now, a lot of we've taken and primarily moved it into what we call more linear markets that sort of go, you know, not, not the roller coaster, but more like that. It still goes in troughs, but mm -hmm. not crazy like that. And the primary criteria is cash flow. Of course. As long as you can cash flow and you're in a somewhat linear market um, and, and the economics and demographics are right, you can ride the storm. <clears throat> and I think you're in linear markets as well. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Cool. So what would you recommend uh, somebody just getting started? Um. Listen to your podcast. How much should I ever give you? <laughs> Kim, send me the invoice. <laughs> Actually, it's a lot of information. I think, you know, to know what we want to get ourselves into, it's best to hear, to listen, to research. Mm -hmm. And then when we come to make a decision to investing, at least we have um, a little bit knowledge, a little bit educated. Uh, and to make a decisions. Uh, we don't want to make a decisions where I come back and said, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't do research. I just did a hearsay. Somebody says, versus you go out there and you kind of, you know, research, you kind of hear, kind of learn, and then make a decision based on there. So uh, really, like Bill was mentioning, education. Educate yeah. yourself. No matter what the market is, whether it's good or bad, there's always the learning curve. There's always um, education that you put you, 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 you yourself. So that all this is, you can make the right decision regardless of whether the market goes up or down. Yeah. That's, okay. always, my, that's always my default answer too, right? If you're just getting started, um, number one, education. <laughs> it, 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 just about every endeavor starts with education, right? Arming yourself with the right type of specialized knowledge. And then if, you're, uh, if you want to become a rising star fast, Okay, the quickest way I know how to do it is to latch on to someone who's already been down the path you want to go. Yeah. Okay. And Good. you can reach out to, uh, they, they could be colleagues, mentors, people that you work with. Um, but Anybody that, that's just been there and done it, that yeah, is something that you want to accomplish. You know, it, it, it's common. It's the super highway. Yeah. Right, because you're, it's like you're compressing someone who's, even if they've been for, if they've been in it for five to 10 years or 20 years, whatever, longer than you have, you're compressing all that, all those years into weeks and months. Yeah, that's Just, crazy. Imagine that. 
Yeah. It's like, there's like, there's no quicker way. <clears throat> I love that. I would say that. It's also depending on your strategy too. Some people are active and yep. some people are passive. So you active requires you to put some time, right? Find somebody that do what you like to do and latch onto them and learn. And if you have money, find somebody that you can, hey, here's my money. Yeah. I like to invest in your project and be a passive investor. So it really depends on, on the, the type of uh, investor you are. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very crucial. You know, identifying what you truly want, whether you want to be more hands-on or completely off and being passive or not. Yesterday, it's kind of funny because as you're mentioning this, I, I remembered uh, last night I was talking to somebody that um, mm. came into, you know, a good amount of money and they they want to put it to work. And, I, and they were asking me questions as if they wanted to get started in, into real estate. And then after I started, you know, asking questions back and just after a few minutes, I realized they didn't want to do real estate whatsoever. They wanted to be completely hands off. They just wanted me to use their money to, uh, to give them money in return. And I was, I was just mind blown from it because it's important to identify what they truly want, whether they want to be passive and, and hands off and just get a strong return on their money, or if they want to get a, a bigger return on their money and be, you know, more hands-on and do it themselves. But um, it, it's kind of, it's very important to identify which side you want to be on. Mm -hmm. cool. One side is not necessarily better than the other side. No, no. Side, yeah, you just have to kind of like know yeah. what you want to, know what you are looking for. Of course, yeah. What, yeah. what type of headaches you want to uh, hold on to. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's good. And headaches. It's not really headaches. What type of endurance <laughs> and, and what kind of thing you want to embrace? Risk tolerance, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, stress tolerance. Yeah. Um, cool. So I want to ask uh, one more question. So, and, and it might be a little bit more complicated, but uh, you guys can dive in as deep as you'd like. Um, when it comes down to building your team, you know, when, it, when it's residential, you can kind of go, I feel like backwards. You can... You can build the relationships, find the, find the deal, get it under contract, find the money, get the contractors, do the work, you know, remodel it, whatever. And then, uh, you know, whatever your plans are, refinance, you know, so forth. Um, when it comes down to syndications, I, I'm under the impression, at least, that it's very crucial to build your team out first and have all the, all the players kind of ready within the team to, um, to be able to leverage and, and to get into something very powerful. Um, so how would you guys go about building your team and what kind of players would be in the team and, and like, what should their focus be? Oh, that's a handful. That's a load of questions. Dang, that's, yeah. a whole podcast right there. <laughs> that's a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we wrap it up like that. <laughs> so you guys can go, you can just say, you know, there's like five uh, team members or you can do it with as many as, you know, so forth. How, how many team members do you guys have? You know, the answer to your question is really depends on each individual. Of course. Because for, for, for us, for us, we know what arena we want to tackle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's what we focus on. Everybody else uh, is, is sub, you know, surrounding support that. Okay. Um, so it, it's like not, you know, uh, how do you answer, Bill? It's like, it's not like, you have to look for this because everybody's going to be different. It just, you have to know where your strengths and what you like to do. Yeah. And then you have to build 
you have to build uh, where you know you're not good at. Find of people, course. work with where you're not good at. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. a different, you know, that's a different topic of the day. But yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's okay. my short answer to your long question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so early... So let me just uh, try and elaborate on that. So earlier we were talking about the four uh, major components, right, that we think are necessary in, in this whole game of uh, multifamily investing and syndication, right? Number one, acquisitions. Number two, project management, construction management, same thing. Yeah. And then number three, investor relations, capital raising. That's our focus and our lane. And then property management, right? So um, we know our focus is primarily one of those four categories. We focus on the capital raising and investor relations. So that means we're missing three. <laughs> yeah. So we've got to go out. So once we determine an area that, I mean, a big part of what we do is selection, man. So yeah. selection of the right markets, selection of the right partners, selection of the people that you work with, the mm -hmm. selection of the right service providers. A lot of the time that we spend is on selection. Yeah. Okay. So it takes us a while. So for example, in one of our markets here in California now, um, it took a year to get to the point where we dived into business with our operating partner in that specific <clears throat> market. Okay. okay? Um, so it's a vetting process. It's a selection process. Uh, no, does it have to take that long? No, man, maybe we're slow. But, but we do see, we do see our role as being, you know, because we feel like we're eyes and ears for our investor partners, of course. Um, they, they can't be out on the market. They don't get to do a lot of the vetting. So man, we get pretty intense in the whole selection process. So for example, I, I think I mentioned earlier, so property management, one of those four major components, right? So in our St. Louis, Kansas city market, um, <laughs> We finally made the move to bring in a third-party property management company, mm. right? Because we were doing it in-house. Well, guess how long that took, man? That took a year as well. Again, we're kind of slow. <laughs> but, it, I mean, so they manage like close to 3,000 properties. Guess what? We took a look at basically every single property. Okay. Wow. So all the properties um, interviewed all eight or so executive team members met with the founders, met with them in the locations that they're in, saw everything, took a look at their accounting, their software, uh, the technology and the platforms they were using. Also because number one, we're big into education because it's a yeah. tremendous learning. Man, it was like, mm -hmm. you know what it was like? Getting an MBA in property management in four days. Wow. It was like, mind blowing, man. But, but that's the level that we go to. I, that might, I don't think you need to get that extreme. I love that though. That that really takes the whole trust but verify into a whole different degree. You know, that, that's awesome. I love yeah. it. But but it's also because we like to learn and we get yeah. we like to get to know who we're in partnership with because it's like a marriage. Yes. It really is like a marriage. Yeah. So um, so anyway, you know. Well, we want to do. We like to do things as long term. So we want to focus on building the relationship. Really get to know who we get uh, to work with. Yeah. Uh, before we make the decision. I think uh, before, you know, when we just get started, it was easy just to go in partnership, not having any thoughts or, or hindsight about things or situations that can come arise um, mm. because we didn't do the proper, I don't know, due diligence, investigation. So we just want to make sure that 
you know, as we get, as you, as you play in a bigger, large, you know, in the bigger arena, you yeah. want to make sure that you find somebody that you can really trust, that you can really find, that you can build and work with. Yeah. That's it's very important. It's interesting, man. I mean, it's like the more people that we talk to, it's like a lot of them are saying the same variation of that very, of that very thing. Mm. Selection, right? Working yep. with the right people. Um, and oh, another key word, alignment. Alignment. Yes. We look yep. for alignment. alignment. You know, is there an alignment of values and goals and, you know, way of doing things, right? Is there an alignment of standards? Yep. That's, That's big. Big. You know, I mean, I mean, do they, is quality the same in their minds as it is in yours or at least comparable, you know, because mm -hmm. if, if, and if these things are not in alignment, um, yeah, <laughs> they know more. Yeah. Man. Yeah, of course they, they unravel. Yeah. I love that. that. That's really great tips. Okay. So I guess wrapping this up, um, you know, how can, or where, where is your guys future kind of have in mind? Where, what are you guys, any big plans for this year? Oh yeah. Big plans. Big plans, baby. What are they? <laughs> We try to, you know, here's what, here's how I have been answering. We try to put, you know, it's great. This time of year is great for uh, reflection, right? And mm -hmm. you kind of think back and you look back on what you've done and then make plans for the future. Everyone comes up with their resolutions. Yeah. I also like to say that we don't want to put a cap on anything either. Mm. Okay. That's so, good. Like last year, I had it in my mind. We had it in our minds that we were going to go to 5,000 units in five years. Okay. Uh, and we knew the only way to really get there was to um, start thinking in terms of team expansion, strategic alliances. Right. Um, so that's what we've really been focused on. But, but here's what's happened. So we're, uh, so we're finding and aligning with people who have an even bigger vision. I love it. So it, so it forces you to okay. even think even bigger. So, you know, so really, so we don't even want to put a cap on that. We're even thinking bigger beyond that at this point, just because we're bringing, we're working with people now who, um, man, they're rock stars and they're, yeah. they're thinking even bigger. And it's like, okay, because growth, growth inspires us too. So, um, so anyway, that's, I that's love it. how we're thinking so far. That's good. What, what kind of, how many units are you guys at currently? We're at a little over uh, 600 doors now, and then we're looking to expand that by 50 to 80% in the next 12 months. But then again, I don't want to put a cap on that. Yeah, of course. I you know, love it. So that's what I we're looking it. at. But, uh, you know, who knows, man, it'll, if we can do better than that, just as long as we can meet our metrics and criteria and, um, <laughs> And, and, and deliver the returns to our investors. We're good. We'll do it. I love that. I love that. That's so awesome. Cool. So how can, uh, how can the listeners, you know, you guys just gave tremendous value to all the listeners. How can the listeners repay the favor and, um, you know, do anything for you guys? Kim. <laughs> She's good at that. <laughs> other, than, other, other than buy you lunch. <laughs> Actually, there's the answer right there, man. He's hungry. That's all that's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, actually, um, we do have our our meetup. If yeah. they 
you know, we'd like to come. We actually have one this beginning of February. We are on Meetup. Um, and really, it's a platform for people to um, get education and meeting other like-minded individuals uh, to uh, inspire them to really investing. So I we do have that platform for, for them to come out and, and, um, and meet. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how can people um, find that and how can they get a hold of you, Kim? So I have, uh, we have a passive cash flow meetup group in San Diego. Okay. Um, but we do have a website. Our website is godreamvest.com. What is it and called? Go Dreamvest. Dreamvest. Okay. Go Dreamvest. Yeah, okay. Made up word, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Why, why invest? When you can dream vest. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are in multiple locations. So we get we have Newport Beach and then San Francisco to uh, Santa Clara area. Okay. So um if you know San Diego is not where you are and you happen to be in another area, um pretty sure we can meet up with you. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I, I've been to uh well maybe I haven't I don't know. I've been, I've met up with you guys a few different times with other, you know, groups of people and, uh, always had a blast with you guys. So, now you uh, know our platform. There yeah. You yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, I guarantee you, you'll definitely enjoy it. And, uh, and it's great networking. So, um, to be able to connect with these two and to be able to get educated is always a blast. Yeah. So how can they get a hold of you, Kim, if anybody oh. wants to reach out to you personally? Oh, of course. And they can call me at 858-382-2333 or com. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. It's very bold of you. Giving yeah. out your know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Don't you yeah. know Brandon reaches millions? <laughs> <laughs> cool. And then for you, Bill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is nationwide. This is worldwide. <laughs> this is Mr. Worldwide here. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. So, Bill, for you, um, how can people get a hold of you? Um, probably the best way is through Kim. But <laughs> Brady gave out all the credentials, right? But you could also, yeah. But you could also. I mean, I have a, I have a website as well that that, that is my name. So it's just like my. What do you call them? V cards, virtual cards. So that's one way. Yes. Um, BillGuting.com. So just my name, Bill Guting, G-U-T-I-N-G.com. Okay, very good. See what we're doing. Very good, cool. Any final last thoughts? Uh, final last thoughts? That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always stops her. <laughs> well, you know, we always talk about investing. Uh, we always learn a lot, but uh, it, it doesn't mean if you would just take action. Yeah. Mm. And I also yeah. want to say, too, is right, like, um, like one of our most popular topics, it seems like these days and what a lot of what's on a lot of people's minds, because it's all on the news and a lot of people are talking about it is they're wondering, is the timing right? Mm. You know, should I be investing? Should I be jumping in right now? Look at what's happening in the stock market, right? Everyone is sensing that, okay, is this, is the bottom going to fall out? Yeah. Um, and what I want to say is that if the bottom falls out, when the bottom falls out, if the stock market crashes, um, if you arm yourself with the right knowledge and the right education, uh, you'll start looking at corrections like this as times to celebrate. Yeah. 
because it because <clears throat> all that basically means is real estate is about to go on major sale. Yeah. Yep. And, and and the fact that if and so if you so bottom line if you missed the boat so called missed the boat you not really missed the boat yeah it only comes back around yeah. okay I, I remember in after two thousand and eight people were saying oh we'll never see this again right this is an anomaly well guess what ten years later we've gone through a full cycle we're back at the top things are about to reset so if you missed the boat the boat is coming back and your opportunity is coming that's right You're ready. Yeah, so be ready. It's, ready. it's going to be tremendous, I think. Oh, I love it. You guys have nothing but gold. I, I really do appreciate your guys' time for coming on here and give back to the listeners. And Thank you for having us. Yeah, you guys left with a great note. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Right on, man. Uh-huh. And thanks for everything that you do, right? We all need um, education and mentors. That's right. <laughs> cool. So, um, cool. Just to close out, do appreciate you guys so much for jumping on. And uh, any of the listeners out there, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, on Instagram, it's Brandon Elliott Investments. And then Facebook, it is facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I. So, um, like I said, if you guys do me a favor. I have a big goal, big vision to get this out, get this podcast out to, uh, you know, millions of people in the next few years and to really be able to break off those limitations and, um, and that mindset, have that shift and really educate people and motivate them and prepare them to take action and stop coming up with excuses. So I know everybody that listening to this, they're not like people out there. They are action takers and, you're definitely going to want to jump onto iTunes, leave a review, make sure you're subscribed, and this will just help promote it out to more people, get them excited about real estate, and get them educated so they can take action as well. And with that being said, guys, love you guys all so much. Really do appreciate you guys jumping on and uh, and you know pouring in the value. And we will see you guys all next week. Thanks. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.